Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject. The way we see it, wellness is all-encompassing of each aspect that affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faves like fitness and nutrition, this could mean anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are Abby and Issa. Wanna Vibe? Hey everyone, welcome back. Good to morning. Vibe. It's Friday morning. It's we your last um, oh. summer Friday, right? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm really sad about it. I'm Abby. I'm Isa. This is Wanna Vibe. So how's your week going? My week's going well. I just realized that like your interview with John was like so good and like now... I feel like I'm a shit interviewer. You're not. But like, I'm so focused on this fucking outline. Like, yeah, I so can't we outline deviate. our episodes because sometimes we go on tangents or sometimes we have a hard time like staying on topic. So we outline our episodes, right. but that doesn't mean that we have to say everything verbatim. It's just right. to keep us on track. <laughs> but you're so anal that you get in your head about it. I just think that like sometimes I say dumb shit. And so I want to make sure that, like, I keep the dumb shit to a minimum. I personally want to hear the dumb shit. Mm. I think other people want to hear the dumb shit, too. Yeah, but you hear it in real time. I hear it in real time. But, like, when I'm listening to other podcasts, like, I like to hear the banter and, like, the funny side tangents because it makes the hosts of those podcasts feel like my friends. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why don't you guys that are listening give us some feedback on how you feel about that type of thing? Yeah. Like, I'm curious to know... If you guys want to be our friends or not. Do you want to be our friend? Be our friend. If not, just press stop and unsubscribe <laughs> right now. Um, if so, let's fucking go. Let's, let's fucking be go. best friends. Best friends. That's what we do. Me and you. Um, so Isa and I are both doing uh, revamped macros. Yeah. We both are fucking on fire with our goals in the gym in life. Who's your coach? Um, so I'm working with Team Boss Bodies. My coach is Beth Hall Fit on Instagram. Wow. She's amazing. She's like, I think she's younger than me. Mine is too. But mine has a 16 or something year old son. Oh. And I'm like... Badass bitch. How? Badass boss bitch. Yeah. So she just, she was doing, um, she had like a full-time job and then she was doing coaching on the side. And then a few weeks ago, she quit her full-time job to do full-time coaching. Good for her. And she usually does like bikini comp mm-hmm. um, prep. And so that's how I found out about her through my friend Ashley. Are you going to do a bikini competition? No, I, <laughs> I'm not. I don't have the drive, the time, the... I think you have the drive... You definitely don't, don't have the time. <laughs> I don't I don't want to either. Like I I would love to look like that, but I know it comes at such a sacrifice that I'm not willing to make. Yes, right. I want to be leaner. Yes, I want to be jacked. My acupuncturist texted me this morning was like, why are you only eating 1,500 calories? I'm like, it's a cut. Like I'm eating 1,500 calories for right. now, but then I'll work my way back up to 2,000 like or whatever. like 17 for now. Yeah, that's great. My refeed days are like 17 and change. Mm, I'm uh, working with a girl, Sarah Darrell. Yeah. Also known as... Gray hair, right? Yeah. She yeah. has like she's so silver cute. hair. She's so cute. Her she, body's amazing. Her body's amazing. And I love her because she's like strong and you can see her muscles and everything and she's just so shaped well. But Let's she's... see if we can get our coaches on the podcast. Oh my God. I would love that. Me too. I would love to hear... I got to stick with them a little longer. Stick with her Sarah a little longer. is more of like a bodybuilder-ish, I feel yeah. like. And I feel like it's going to be... I want. I would be interested to hear the different perspectives. Like I want to hear about bikini comp. 
Yeah. It seems really intense. It definitely is. And it's like to look like that is definitely super intense. I wonder what it's like to look like that and just like walk down the street. I would just wear a bikini all the time. All day. <laughs> I just Thong. like, and I would just like practice my posing, <laughs> yeah. like on stand on a corner. I would turn. just be like t- talking to strangers, like, you want to see my arm veins? Right. And just like wear <laughs> clear heels everywhere. You don't fucking know what I, I do. Yeah. My feet are too sensitive for clear heels, honestly. <laughs> the loose, the plastic, like it gives me blisters. I can't do it. They're really in right now, but I can't do it. Oh, I can't participate being, I in guess. that tribe. That tribe? That trend. Trend vibe. Okay. Trend vibe. So what is our vibe today? Oh, our vibe today is actually kind of a little heavy, but um, we're going to try and put as positive of a spin on it as we possibly can. And it is actually our addiction episode today. Yeah. We have been procrastinating recording this episode for a while because I think it's super tough for both of us to talk about. And I also think to your point, it's like hard to talk about without like going there. Yeah. Like, and it's hard to like, it's hard to talk about for me because there's a lot to my story and I would like to put a disclaimer in here, at least like for what you're about to hear is like, I know a lot of people are like addiction, either people are like addiction is a choice or addiction is a disease. disease." Right. Um, in my experience, I'm going to say for me, it was a disease because I had the way that it led up to mine was medicinally. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I was taking it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then I was taking it for every fucking reason. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, like, kind of my stance on it. But we're going to get into it. We want to share our stories and uh, hopefully shed some light on the fact that addiction doesn't look a certain way or manifest in the way you think it does. Yeah, I think that that's the most important thing that I just want to start this episode off by reiterating is that like addiction is one of those things where it's silent and it isn't really discussed enough and therefore people put a label on it. But really addiction can look like anything or anyone at any time and like just not to, you know, put the word or the actions in a box. Yeah, like on a type of look. Yeah. It's, or person it's just or race. Not what it, it's just not how it should be. And, you know, the more that we talk about things like addiction, the more normalized they become, the more normalized they become, you know, the more people feel safe seeking help. And I yeah. think that that's like the most important part. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. Like, we just want to make sure that if you are struggling, that know that like you can access help and even just the fact that you might think you have an issue voice it and say it out loud totally don't wait if you think you have an issue you probably do but you'll never know unless you dig a little deeper right so So let's get into it quickly let's just talk about what our addictions experiences have been yeah so we'll start with you what kind of addiction affected your life so i I don't know if I should say was or am or what, like I never know how to tense that verb, okay. but just let's just say it. am, mm-hmm. um, a shopping addict, which is a, something that is, it's so weird for me to say, honestly, still. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the biggest struggle that I had is that it's, it doesn't, for most people mentally fall into the realm of addiction, right? Right. Like the way my therapist at the time described it was a quote, good girl addiction (laughs) because it's like, it's almost, um, supported by society. You know what I mean? Like you should go buy all these clothes and like look really good and whatever. And so for me, it was just like a matter of, um, 
being high stress, high anxiety, feeling inferior, feeling insecure, and then, you know, almost binging those feelings by buying clothes and makeup and bags and shoes and all of the things. And I don't want to say that I'm like in the clear. It's something I think about every single day. For sure. But at the time that my addiction was at its peak, um, you know, I wasn't making the money that I'm making now. Mm -hmm. And so it was even further stress. And you know, the cycle, it's like, you're stressed out about your addiction, which feeds your addiction, which, you know, it's just all because that's what makes you feel better. Yeah. So when did you realize it was an actual issue? So, um, I like through high school, through college was always spending more than I had to upkeep appearances, Mm -hmm. but Jesse and I were married like seven months Mm -hmm. and I was getting like eight plus packages a day and we could barely pay our bills, like barely. And we were both in credit card debt because we were trying to make ends meet because I kept spending. Right. And it was just crazy. So we were married about seven months when he was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. And I feel like that's a like a normal thing as you're growing up to figure out like your, your money. So it's like kind of like growing pains with it where you spend more than you make. You're spending more than your means and you have to learn really quickly. And if you don't, then things like this happen where Jesse said, I can't. So how did Jessie that go? was literally like, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. I don't want to be it with was like you that. like this. Yeah. And so I... I mean, I can't, I have honestly, like, I feel like for self-preservation, I've kind of blocked the specifics of the situation out, but I do know that I packed up some shit, called my mom. It was just Roxy at the time. So Mm -hmm. I grabbed Roxy and we went to stay with my mom for a few days and I was trying to figure out like where I was going to live and like all of these things. So it got to that point. Yeah. We were a few days apart and, um, I wasn't, I I can't remember if he reached out to me directly, but I know at one point he reached out to my mom saying like, is she okay? And my mom was like, no, she's not fucking okay. Right. And, um, he ended up, you know, deciding that our relationship was worth working through this. Thank God. Because just like the thought of something so stupid, jeopardizing something so important. I mean, you know, like it's just really real. Yeah. And, um, so I went to therapy and, you know, I'm still back and forth in therapy working mm-hmm. through this shit. And I feel like I see ebbs and flows in my life. Still, when I get stressed out, I start spending, right. I start spending money. I'm like dumb shit. And if I'm not spending because I'm trying to restrict my spending, I'm eating. Right. So you find like another way, another vice to compensate. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I just have to be like super mindful all the time. And because it happens I'm still so quickly, so quickly, you know, it just like easily adds up, especially with something like, and I'm not trying to compare, but I'm saying like, I think if you're like an alcoholic, it's like you're on the wagon or you're off the wagon. Right. Right. But with shopping, it's like, well, I still need to buy clothes once in a while. You know what I mean? I still need to spend money. I still want to spend money. I don't want to like never buy another item of clothing again. I love fashion. Right. But where's the line there? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a lot less clear. And it's it's so accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Truly at your fingertips. And it's totally not illegal. Like drugs are or prostitution or whatever. You know what I mean? Like 
Yeah, it's a slippery slope. So, yeah. So what would you say triggers you to want to purchase something? Like when you feel that like yeah, I, intensity. I do feel the intensity. Yeah, it's, it's like usually in your chest. like stress or if I have like an unresolved problem or if I'm having like a moment of like insecurity, like for whatever reason, if I'm not feeling secure in my situation, I think security is my biggest thing. Was there anything in particular that you found yourself purchasing like your go-to when you felt that? Basically anything on ShopBop. <laughs> I've never shopped on there. I have probably over the course of like the past 15 years, I don't even want to look it up. I know I'm a platinum member. <laughs> I know I'm a platinum ShopBot member still to this day, but I've probably spent a hundred thousand plus dollars on ShopBot. Like, oh crazy. my God. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's what happened. Yeah. Like that's where addiction will take you where it's not, it's not just one, like, cause you get like, Oh, I have a shirt. I have but it's like, pants. You, it's like I might as well do the rest. It's also like a tolerance, right? Like yeah. you, like you take a little bit, and then next time you need a little bit more to get high. And right. Then next time you need a little bit more to get high. You it's know what I mean? Same exact, exact, exact thing. Yeah. So, you already said you sought professional help for it, but what, like, do your insides feel when you feel? Like you need to shop. I feel like it probably feels like, I mean, I've never done drugs. Yeah. But I probably feel like it feels like coming down. Like I feel like this like inside itch mm-hmm. that just like needs to be scratched. Right. But it's not a physical itch. It's like a emotional, An emotional itch. itch. Yeah. For sure. Super weird. Do your friends know? You know, I don't know. I know that Carrie knows because Carrie, first of all, that bitch is like a bloodhound. <laughs> she texted me in the middle of the whole shebang with Jesse and I like made up some lie about why I was at my mom's and she was like I'm calling bullshit what the fuck is actually oh. the matter she can see right through me I'm also not a very good liar if we're being honest <laughs> um, but she's she's also like crazy intuitive like I would be interested in si- sidebar but I would be interested in hearing about her like human design and stuff yeah because she's so intuitive it's crazy That's but yeah so, cool. so she actually came over talked to me was like super supportive but I never like had like a coming out I don't think to my friends like I I couldn't tell you which of my close friends know about this some might be learning about this right now hello (laughs) do you ever feel the need to like tell anybody about it or like do you feel like you keep it more private I again um back to the fact that this behavior shopping and spending is like really socially acceptable I don't tell a lot of people about it Unless it feels like it's just like when when we went out the first time. Yeah, you told Happy me. Happy anniversary, by the way. I know. This is airing way after our anniversary, but... August 11th. I just need to make it public. <laughs> um, our first date... I like just word vomited it at you. I don't know why it just felt like. Yeah, same though. Yeah, but it just like felt like I had to get it out. You know what I mean? So that's one of the very few occasions where. Right. That's happened to me. Oh, okay. And I don't. Yeah, no, I don't usually tell people about it, but you just got lucky. I feel lucky. (laughs) So how do you manage your impulses now? I don't know that I do. I'm not really sure that I do. Okay. Sometimes I still shop. Yeah. Like I, my biggest thing is like, I, I get, I, what I think I'm going to do is I think I'm going to try rent the runway unlimited. I was looking at that. Lindsay from almost 30. Did you watch her story? I did watch her story, which I thought was super duper cute. And then a girl, um, that I know came in to work and she looked so cute in her mm-hmm. cute little floral dress. And I'm like, yo, you look so pretty. And she's like, rent the runway yeah. unlimited. I was like, no, way. I've done rent the runway for like weddings before. Me too. Especially like black tie weddings when you're like, when the fuck am I ever going to wear that dress right. again? 
But what I do is like I tend to psych myself up for trips and I travel a lot. Yeah. So like every time I'm traveling, I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to wear? And like the answers are totally in my closet, but 100%. I feel like I need new shit. I know. And so like I just did... I just bought a bunch of stuff off shop up the other day. I mean, stuff that I'm going to wear jeans and stuff, but like I could have easily just, I think I'm going to try run the runway unlimited for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But right now I'm not managing my impulses because like I said, like it, it kind of bleeds into one another. Right. But I did just pay off my Amex in full. Yeah. You told me that. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Genuinely. Thank you. So it's always a process and you're always learning and it really helps, I think, to learn about yourself and like your thought processes when all these things are happening and you're, you realize you have an issue, you never forget that you have an issue. And I think like even I'm still going to therapy Mm -hmm. and if I don't bring it up, Donna will be like, so what's the deal? Yeah. Cause she'll know if I don't bring it up, it's something's going on. Yeah. Something's (laughs) going on. And so she'll be like, so what's going on with that? You know what I mean? So tell me more. And I'm like, fuck, now I actually have to admit shit. So, um, I think, I don't know that I'll ever, I mean, I'll probably like, you know, be in and out of therapy, but I don't know if I'll ever not be in therapy because it's just like accountability. I know. I'll never not be in therapy. I wasn't in therapy for so long. And then when I got into therapy and found the right person, I was like, what have I, like, why haven't I found you sooner? Yeah. I'm glad I found you though. (laughs) And also like, I think people just a little tangent on therapy. I think it's like dating, right? Like you're not gonna fall in love with the first therapist you see, but that doesn't mean that you should give up on the idea entirely. You know what I mean? Because once you do find that right person and it's going to be like therapists have different methods and different personalities. They're people too. You know what I mean? Like for me, I need a therapist that like scares me a little bit. Right. Like I just need someone that's just like, I'm just like teetering on the edge of like, I don't want to disappoint you. You know what I mean? I realize I need somebody who like checks me. Yeah. 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 You need need that in life though. I know. That's totally how you are. You have a little eyelash on your face. Help me. Thank you. Yeah, no, I need somebody that checks me. So like, guys, believe in love and also believe in therapy. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) So, um, okay. So uh, would you say that your addiction manifested from, like, because you had a chemical addiction. Mm -hmm. So not only did it stem from a mental slash emotional place, but it was like, there, there, it was like a physical addiction. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like that's, I think oh, the, yeah. the difference between like my addiction and your addiction is like you were actually like physically dependent on something in addition to being mentally, emotionally dependent on something. 100%. So my whole thing started out with mismanagement of my emotions, for sure. Wait, so talk us through... Um, it started out with painkillers. Started out with painkillers. Um, I'm going to use the word opiates just in general, okay. like okay. to cover everything. Um, so, but yes, it started out with medication, opiates, over the counter, not over the counter, um, prescribed to me, excuse me. And it was because I got all four wisdom teeth removed at the same time. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was going through like a really trash breakup. Um, and again, like it was a lot of growing emotions. Like I went away to school, he stayed home. Um, we were fighting, we were having issues before that too. And like, it was both our faults, you know, or like both. What age were you? We were like 20 and 21. It's like such a transitional we time. Kids. It's so hard. Yeah. So like, I don't even want to say like it was his fault or my fault. Like totally. We were just growing up and it was part yeah. of like the whole thing and we were together for a while. Um, and so for my emotions were just like always like really high cause like I'd get paid attention to and then when I didn't it would just like totally crash and bottom out so I was going through this roller coaster of just like growing up and admittedly I think that I matured a lot later than a lot of people because I was sheltered for so long mm-hmm. so that's very big of you to admit 
I think about it a lot, you know. I, I try not to do it in a way that I feel like I'm justifying my addiction or like the reasons that I did it, but in a way that I try to understand mm-hmm. why I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got the medication, my, I mean, my mind now goes like a thousand miles a minute. And when I took it for my, for the pain, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. My whole piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, then, and I was prescribed it. So I was like told to take it right. a few times, but I like took it like once or twice. It kind of made me feel a little nauseous and then I stopped taking it. Mm-hmm. But then I remembered that piece. Right. And right. so like when I would go through an emotional time with my ex-boyfriend at the time, I'd pop a pill and mm. I'd be fine. So and it just escalated and from there. And it just there. escalated from there. And it, um, it got really dangerous, you know? So I became dependent on it. It was, uh, it was tough. <laughs> I want to just like (sighs) your story is so common, so common. And it's just like the society that we live in where just like prescriptions are the answer to everything. Right. And like doctors don't take into account that like you are a young person that like maybe doesn't have the information or the wherewithal to say no or to speak up. And like, it's almost like you're being taken advantage of. And like, God, I think about this so much because I have a kid now, but like, this is the direction that our society is going. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the opiate addiction is like insane, far beyond anything it's ever been in the history of our country and no one's fucking doing anything about it and it's just like I had four wisdom teeth taken out I think I got like Tylenol right because my mom was probably like fuck you and your fucking painkillers but that's because my mom is a hippie and a psycho but the thing also is like my family wasn't like privy to totally nobody knew about it you know and not not that we didn't know about it but we weren't affected in our family so this is where it goes back to labeling like addiction is you know like a dirty thing that like happens in like the bad parts of town and like it doesn't happen to you because you know you live you know in your little vanilla whatever and so I totally get it but that's why these conversations are so important. You know how many people say to me now like if I feel so inclined as to share my story and people will say like I can't see you like that and I'm like well yeah no shit because I'm like my back to myself now or like back not even back to myself I'm not back to anything I'm a totally different person now than I was then and than when I was before using Mm -hmm. um but I'm like well yeah like what did you I don't know that's where I'm like it's not labeled it's never gonna be like that so yeah totally so where do you feel like it turned from okay I'm gonna take this pill once in a while because I'm feeling down and it makes me feel better to like a regular usage dependency type of situation so being stubborn as I talk about all the time um it was like my not me attitude. Mm. I would, I'm not fucking addicted. I am not familiar with that attitude <laughs> at all. <laughs> like I'm not addicted and it would override my hard drive. That like not me attitude right. that I had where it was like, I didn't have a problem. I just liked it. And it wasn't about anybody else except me. I'm not fucking hurting you. Mind your own fucking business. Yet, yeah. And I was 23 and everyone was getting fucked up. So who was anyone to fucking tell me that I had an issue, you know? Mm-hmm. That's so, such a 23 year old mindset. For sure. <laughs> and you know, what and also what was tough was that everyone was getting fucked up not necessarily like totally, I was totally. but it was part of my culture at the time right. I'm in college or like we just graduated college and everyone's still partying and still having fun and you have like no responsibilities yet because you don't have a real life job so like fuck yeah I'm gonna party and get fucked up but I'm gonna get way more fucked up mm-hmm. and then like 
you know, my friends would have to like take care of me mm-hmm. and like take me home or I'd be nodding out mm-hmm. like a fucking maniac. And it was, I didn't know at the time that it was embarrassing. Right. And like, I like, you because said, you were fucked up. Right. Right. Yeah. And like, I was a wild liar, like just lied about the dumbest shit. Like I could have had Chinese food for lunch and I'd been like, I had pizza. Why? Mm. And like, why would you yeah. even lie about that? But yeah. it was like, just all part of the, all part of like the addiction in general. So I didn't see it slowly building as an addiction. Of like, course, because you were in it. You were so far in it. Right. I just, I didn't believe, I didn't believe it could happen to me Yeah. at the time. So yeah. that's really powerful. Yeah. Um. So like, would you talk to us about your lowest point? Sure. So like not a lot of people know. We're going there today, girl. We're going. <laughs> you don't want to hear it. Turn it off now. You were warned. Yeah. Isabel Mendez OG. Talking and, to you. And oh yeah. Yeah, Ma, you're definitely not listening to that. <laughs> anyway, I'll talk about her later. But and it's like really strange to say aloud. A lot of my friends listen to this, maybe some family. So please know that this is weird, but also I feel like people need to know. And it happened like really suddenly mm-hmm. and I overdosed. Um, it was awful. And I'll spare like the dirty details, but had our front door not been open that day, whether I would have overdosed or frozen to death. Cause it was like in the middle of the winter. Right. Um, I couldn't tell you. So no one would have came to find me. My dad happened to be downstairs. Um, and he found me outside. And I was like, pass out. Mm-hmm. So like the ambulance came, everybody came and it was like a really big deal. Um, and I woke up in the hospital and... Do you have any memory? Rem- <laughs> Do you have any memory of the whole thing leading up? I remember coming out of it and I was so frozen cold that I was like violently shaking and chattering in the, in the ambulance. And when I woke up, no one was there. Like, my parents weren't there. They were so sick of my shit. Oh, shit. And, like, I, like my mom, my mom was, like, really fucking tough. So, well, I mean, how, like, how did they... So, I mean, obviously, they were, like, take her, take her to the hospital. Right. And you woke up and they weren't there. Yeah. And then what? How'd they react to this whole thing? I mean, this must have been the head. Like, it came all came to a head it, with, well, at this incident. It did. And, like... My mom didn't come. Like, my mom was not coming to that. My mom was Because you were so, an adult at this yeah, point. You know what I mean? Sure. So, like, you can check yourself out and, like, go about your business and whatever. That's it. And I had no ride home, so I, like, call my dad. He won't talk to me. It was just, like, really... And he was like, I can't do this with you anymore. And... Were they aware before this incident that you were using or... Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You this has been for it? a while at this point. Like, had I was... they, like, confronted you about it? Yeah. Like, I was living at home. I was sneaking around. I was, you know... I never, I never stole. I never, it was always like by my, any means necessary except that, which was mm-hmm. weird. Like it yeah. was, there was always still this sort of um, accountability or like, um, like I had, I still had some little baby conscience in me that like wouldn't allow me to just take that extra step. Um, so I just like depleted my funds completely. I stole from my addiction. Yeah. From like, family. And it's crazy, it's right? up. And you're like, oh my God. My I, fucking grandma, like my grandma. Right. Like and I would just buy shit on her credit card and she like wouldn't even notice. Like just, that's not cool. Yeah. So but good that's, for you. But that's how you know, like you've taken yeah. it. Like now you can look back and be like, oh my God, what yeah. did I do? But, it, and I say this a lot because when you're, when someone you care about or if you're in the throes of it, 
that's not you. Like yeah. you are not this person that lies and cheats and steals and does these things in your right mind. You wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. I just remember I went from pay- praying in my bed to please let me fucking die. I didn't, no. I didn't believe in God for a long time. And like, I, I believe in God now, but, um, I used to go, I used to sit in bed and be like, can you fucking kill me already? But I didn't know who I was talking to. You know, mm-hmm. I would just like, I would take a lot and just be like, please don't let me fucking wake up. Cause I don't want to do this anymore. Cause mm-hmm. to a point, like when you're using, it starts to be really painful. It's like not fun anymore. Right. Like at first it's like, yeah, I'm going to fuck up and like right. whatever. And then it starts to feel like a job, like the worst fucking job you've ever had in your entire life and your brain and your body and everything is exhausted and heavy. So I used to want to die, actively want to die. And after the overdose, I remember sitting in my bed asking for the willingness to want to get better. After I overdosed, I never used again. That's so amazing. Um, so on like so many levels. First of all, the willingness to live again, amazing. Second right. of all, the fact that you didn't go back to use again because I feel like in a lot of the stories that you hear, like that's when shit really gets bad. Right. Is when you get clean and then you get unclean again. Right. Like know? going back was just not an option. And I realized that like I was suffering from my attachments, you know, and I had to released whatever I was like holding on to, like whether Mm -hmm. it had been like, you know, like graduating college, I lost that because I mean, I graduated, but you know, it's like that part of my life is gone. Breaking up with my ex-boyfriend of forever, you know, and we were babies, but like, you know, losing him was like really hard for me. And then I just didn't know how to manage that. So I realized like, had I intercepted any of that with any sort of therapy, like maybe, we would have gotten somewhere. But like I said, so I started praying in bed just for the willingness to get better, mm-hmm. you know? And um, like now, because when I pray to God, like for me, I pray to God. So like I pray to God and I say, please give me, please give me the willingness to improve or please give me the, the willingness to want to do better. Mm-hmm. I never really asked for anything. I wasn't like, fix me, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I want to prove that's how my mentality Such an important distinction. Yeah. Like only you can change you. Right. And like, you have to put the work in no matter what you're doing, whether it's getting Getting clean or like getting fit or like whatever it is. For sure. Or like, you know, respecting yourself. It starts so small and just putting the work in Mm -hmm. to be like, I deserve better. And like, when you really don't feel like you deserve better, you have to just say, say to yourself, like, I deserve this. I deserve better. But, um, but your family. Yeah. The, sorry, I got off on a, no, it was on a good. tangent. No, it's good. But obviously my parents didn't take it well. My mom was really tough on me. And my dad was borderline like an enabler, but not like... I, your dad has a soft spot for you. I am. My father will admit that I'm his favorite child. Do you think that (laughs) your mom being hard on you helped you? The best thing that could have ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I fucking hated my mom because she always knew and she called me out, you know, and she'd be like, moms, first of all, moms know everything. (laughs) They fucking know everything. I look back on the shit that I told my mom. She didn't know. And now I'm like, fuck that bitch knew. Yep. My mom is like, takes no fucking prisoners. She calls you out on I your love shit. Her. I love she her so like much. I told you like at the hospital you know wouldn't come her? with my she dad. She says that I'm right all the time. I know she, she does. always tells you she that I'm right. She agrees with you a lot. That's because we're fucking the same. I know. Hopefully I look as good as her though. <laughs> she um but 
I fucking hated her. And now, ask anybody. My best, best friend, my yeah. mom. Except like, for me. <laughs> I am, um, like, I am just so attached to my mom. Like, I was never one to say, like, I'd do anything for my mother because I was so close to my dad growing up. Right. But now, through hell or fucking high water, I'm like, get out of my way. I got to help my mom mm-hmm. with whatever she needs. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Isabel Mendez OG is on my team for the zombie apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Like, 110%. I feel like she's just, like, a little, like, rabid She's I don't know, like something. Yeah, she's like a velociraptor. Yeah. She's she'll like small, but you. she'll fuck you up. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, obviously your family was hard on you and uh didn't, you know, approve, but they at the end they still saw you through yeah. everything because they're your family. For sure. What about your friends? Oh, so um I lost friends for sure, you know, and understandably, I never thought anyone should have been there for me through my struggles. So I totally understand and respect that. I don't feel slighted. And it's weird because I, I think a lot of people do feel slighted, but I totally understand why you wouldn't want to be around somebody like me at the time and nobody owed me anything. So I, I can't fault them for being like, get the fuck away from me with that. You know, and everybody was in a transitional stage. It was like mid twenties. Right. And you're like trying to like change you're your like life. Trying to be an adult, up. but you're yeah. still a kid and like who you're associating with kind of right. says a lot about who you are and like, yeah, And I notice, I I, don't I say that all the time now? Well, yeah, you're the, what do you say? You're like the, you're the average of the average five people of, that you spend time with. Yeah. Like the most time with. And I'm like, yeah, I'm one of the best people I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a great fucking support system now. You know, like then and now, because I have the best fucking friends and family in the whole world and like support system would be an understatement. And there are too many people to name and go into specifics, but let me just mention a few briefly because it's super important to me. Like my best friends, Danielle and Jen, who never, ever, ever, ever stopped reaching out to me. Danielle, who asked me to be in her wedding and I legit could have died right on the spot when she asked me because I I couldn't believe after everything I had gone through and she still wanted me to stand beside her on the most important day of her life and not just Danielle, but her whole family, her mother, like... My God, I'm so lucky and I love them so much. And then similarly with Jen, who is so loving and so warm and supportive. And after all this time, also asked me to be in her wedding, which is coming up. And like, do you know how crazy that is for someone like me? Where I was, I felt like nothing. I, I wasn't, I didn't feel important. I didn't feel like I brought value to anybody's life. And then I have these two women who have loved me through that. And to be like, yeah, we want you. What do you mean? We, we don't like, what do you mean? You didn't think you were going to be in our wedding. And I'm like, I don't know. I just thought well, there was too much bullshit in between. Mm-hmm. And we have, uh, who else? Like my lifelong best friend, Amanda, who was always so good to me and who never let me see myself as less than like, she would just be like, this is a blip on the radar and we're going to get through this and it's okay. Like come out with me. We don't have to drink. We don't have to do this. Um, and then I always have my friend, Brian, lastly, who always checked up on me and Brian, and I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, Brian is no bullshit. Mm -hmm. And he tells you how it is. And he doesn't play with you like very straightforward and you don't approach him with bullshit because he's like, I don't have time for that. The per- yeah, like yeah. I don't have time for that. And you have to recognize that because Brian has like this gorgeous family and you know, we have friends that are struggling through addiction now and it's hard to see and hard to process. And it, and I respect Brian so much cause he's like, he'll say like, yo, like I love you, but I can't 
have you around me. Right. Like I can't be involved in that. And that's something where I was like, that was me. Right. You know, like people had to say that about me. And that's like something that I never, ever want to like experience again. I do for sure feel like going through this has changed me. I'm more aware of myself, definitely of my energy and like of other people's energies. I can read frantic and manic energy really well. Mm -hmm. But I think that's because sometimes I'm frantic and manic. So I like, I feel like if it's a, if you spot it, you got it kind of thing. Yeah. But if I see it, I run from it. Right. Because I used to be, it used to be like a moth to the fucking flame. I'd be like, mm -hmm. chaos. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> like just sprint toward that shit. So like I said, I have like some friends who are struggling from addiction now and who aren't in a place to admit it, but I need you guys to know that we see it. I would let them know. If, I would like to let them know that if they're listening, that like we all see it and we are worried about you. Yeah. And I think that that's important to like say to somebody, um, I guess like through it all, I feel like using has really softened me and made me less judgmental where if you knew me before, Oh God, I'd be like, I would never do that. Yeah. I would never do what you're doing. I would never cheat on my boyfriend. I would never uh, lie to my friends. I would never do any of this. And then through addiction, I did all of those things. Mm -hmm. And like you wake up and you're like, holy shit. Like it, it just, it really softened my edges where my favorite position was pointing at you. Mm -hmm. Not fucking me. Mm -hmm. Just like, what did you do? Yeah. My favorite position. Yeah. Do you feel like... Um, like what has, what do you do now? Or I, I should probably talk about this later, but it's on my mind now. So I want to know the answer. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk about your recovery and John and all of the things, but mm -hmm. like, what, what have you grown to now that helps quell those like manic thoughts that you used to turn to substances for? Um, so like you said, I, I found a therapist that I love. Um, and I've, found a lot better coping mechanisms where my coping mechanisms were normally to um, like cause a fight or do something dramatic. I, I didn't need a reason to use. It was always like, I'm happy I'm going to use. This bad thing happened, I'm going to use. It's Tuesday, I'm going to fucking use. Like, you know, like it, I needed no rhyme or reason. And when I went to therapy, well, I went to rehab and then I went to therapy after that. Once you like have any sort of rehabilitation jargon in your vernacular, you never fucking forget it. So you always know that what you're doing is fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's weird. And you hear these like little voices like, you know, take one, you might as well take a thousand or something like, or you're falling off or like keep coming back, which is what they say at meetings. Like just keep showing up. But I think that that's like with anything in life, if you want totally to get better, just keep fucking showing up. If you want to achieve any goal, you have anything. to keep showing up. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I know that stresses you out, but <laughs> I want to hear about like the rehab process because I feel like there, there are two versions that are portrayed in uh -huh. society, right? There's like the girl interrupted, like you're crazy and you're in like fluorescent lighting and you're wearing a gown version. And mm -hmm. then there's like the Lindsay Lohan, like you're swimming in a pool in Malibu, like talking to Oprah version. I wanted to go to the Lindsay Lohan version. I mean, everybody but... does, but it's like a bajillion dollars. So, <laughs> but, um, to put it simply, rehab fucking sucked. But it was also one of the biggest blessings that I could have had. And once you go to rehab, like I said before, you cannot hear, unhear all of these mantras that you can't use without knowing that you're doing something wrong. And the high is never the same. The fun is lost. Right. It just becomes really stressful. It becomes really real. 
yeah, like you have a fucking problem yeah. and you're in rehab because your life is falling apart. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't be there because, for fun. Yeah. You know, you're there because something's fucking wrong and not for a break or like the good thing is it gives you a break. It allows your mind to rest. Um, but you take the information with you and you use it or you ignore it. And if you're lucky, you wind up back in rehab. And if you're really lucky, you heal. Mm-hmm. That's so. really nice. Thank you. Um, so you met John and you were in recovery. Were you a year clean? I know that's the rule. Yeah. So like I had had, um, I had recover, I had been in recovery for a while. Um, I met John and when we first started dating, like the first thing I told him was everything that I had done. Like, wow. You know, how like was that, how did that feel? Um, scary, you know, and I, but I was at a point where I was like, what the fuck do I have to lose? And also I don't want to lie to you. Like I, I live my life now in a way that I want to work on being so honest that, because I think like anything is solved with honesty and that like if someone was like, you said that my shirt was on backwards and I could be like, yes, I did say that. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the fucking example is, you know, but like, or like, I like, I don't mind talking about people. Not like, like, yeah, I'll talk shit about you sometimes. Sorry. Still <laughs> like I got to work on it. But like, if I say something and it gets back to someone, you, I heard you were talking badly about me. I, I'm able to say, well, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you upset me and this that is what I said. Yeah. Or you, know? yeah, you were acting a fucking fool. Yeah. And it pissed me off. And what I left out was that you're a turbo cunt. But so <laughs> you should so you should be saying thank you to me. Yeah. You know, but um I wanted to be totally honest with John because I felt like he was really special. Yeah. Even like when we first met. And so like we had this like weird connection and John again, like John's version of him telling it in the podcast, I like just melted into a puddle because I never knew that. Um, but I just wanted to be totally honest so that he wasn't surprised and wasn't embarrassed. Yeah. I never I wanted to embarrass I also think that John, him. by the way, John's episode is um, number 22 and he's got a very calming presence. Yeah. So I, I feel, feel very like, safe. I yeah. felt very safe with John before I even knew that I was allowed to feel safe with John. Yeah. So his energy yeah. speaks volumes. And he's like just so genuine. And I was, so I wanted to be genuine for him. You mm-hmm. know, I wanted to just be as honest as I could be and like as real and say like, hey, you're going to hear that I was in the paper because I got in trouble. Right. And like, you're going to hear that I did these bad things and they're all fucking true. Yeah. And I just want you not to be surprised. I want someone to say it to you, like if they say it to you and you can say, yeah, she told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not, totally. not like what, what? And like it become like a big fucking thing. So good for you. Thanks. Um, so post recovery, mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's a thing. You're always in it. Yeah. I, like you're, are you ever really recovered? No, like I'm going to be completely honest the desire to use has completely left my body. Mm -hmm. I can say that up until today. So I'm interested because like we go out and have drinks. Mm -hmm. You'll smoke a little weed with me once in a while, Mm -hmm. but you just said you'd never have the urge to use again, but that's not how it looks for everyone. Like some people are like, I must stay away from anything that could possibly be considered a gateway. And so like, I'm just like what went into making the decision for you? Like where was the distinction? Like, okay, I can have some Prosecco and be okay. I hadn't drank for a while. Um, and then 
like for me, I guess I always knew drinking doesn't make me want to use opiates. Like it was never like hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have my Prosecco from time to time and I call it a day. And like you said, I smoke weed randomly um, to laugh with friends and be stupid or like pop an edible and like just chill. But it's far, 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 far and few between, you know, like if I'm with you, I smoke and like maybe and that's like once every few months yeah <laughs> like, i feel like some people might make the um argument that i'm not sober no 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 i wasn't yeah. gonna say that oh. i was gonna say um that those things lower your like willpower or your yes. decision making skills but for you it's very separated right i don't that doesn't happen to me i thank god every day that that doesn't happen to me that i can go and have a drink at a wedding and like but i don't need to get shit face sloshed mm-hmm. not saying it doesn't happen <laughs> you know, I always I'm joke not saying I've never barfed in a Chanel bag before. Oh my God. I, did it. I went you. there. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. That was really fun. <laughs> it was really fun. It was worth it. But like, I don't know. It's just, um, like I always joke around that my best and worst party trick is that I can put down a bottle of Prosecco by myself, mm. but I haven't done that in a while. No, you haven't. Yeah. Because I just, am like, I'm over it. I go through like random acts of sobriety. I go through random acts of like nights where I take like six Jameson shots. Jameson? Jameson. Jameson. I know, like the other night. Yeah, what? What? You're just having a good old time. You almost got attacked. My new, oh my God, you you enabled that attack. (laughs) My new strategy when drinking is because like I don't really fucking care about mixed drinks and stuff. I don't want to sip on a beverage. I'm just going to do shots of Jameson and pound water. You're wild. So anyway, so obviously this is something you still think about. Um, I think about it. Do I? I don't know. I can genuinely say that I don't think about using at all. Like, I'm never like, oh, I wish. Never. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I I'm, I know that I'm really lucky for that. Um, it was as if one day the need just left my body. And I, I know that that's, like, super rare. I don't take med- pain medications ever. Hardly Tylenol unless it's an extenuating circumstance. I don't take sleep medications um, or anything like that even. I like to think that um, my puppy dog saved me, that Texi saved me. Um, she wrote, this might sound dumb, and I just deleted it because it doesn't sound Oh, dumb. I didn't know what you deleted. I didn't. I just, uh, you wrote, this might sound dumb, but Texas, my first Rottweiler, saved me. And that doesn't sound dumb. Like, it's been scientifically proven that animals, but specifically dogs, can help you rehabilitate faster, heal faster, live longer. Like, it's a thing. Yeah, he's, he really He for sure did save you. Yeah. And I know it. And I know deep down in my heart, and getting that dog was the break I needed because I was so focused on just like myself and like my brain and like my body and like I needed to use. And it was this manic, crazy feeling that I was able to think about something else and like Mm -hmm. just take that concern of like what I was and who I was and put it on this dog. And like, he gave me back a schedule, which I know I take it to an extreme now. Like I'm like, but I I think, I think that's where my my compulsivity comes from because I'm like, I have to stay in a schedule because I don't want to fall off again. And that's where like John will come in where he gives me that break where he's like, we can just chill. Yeah. And I trust John so much that I'm like, we can just chill. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the love that like filled my heart with that dog, like I could like explode into like a million pieces. Um, for me, he fixed everything. And when he was diagnosed, I cried so hard. I couldn't breathe. 
I, my dad sent me home from work. I was like on the train, just like sobbing, seeing people. Did you like, get like a phone call or something? Yeah. So like the doctor, the vet called me and was like, his white blood cell count is whatever Ugh. way it's supposed to be. And you can keep him comfortable, like on pain medication. Right. Um, but you should probably put him down. I was going to make a really bad addict joke, but I'm, I will work say it. I was just going to say, so your dog could be addicted to drugs too. Oh my God. <laughs> probably what it meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> and like when he was putting down, I stayed in the room with him and I pet him until he stopped breathing. And I left that room and thought like, if this doesn't make me want to use, like, cause it didn't, I didn't want to use right, because right, text right. died. I... Then nothing will. Yeah. If that doesn't make then you, if that it. doesn't break you, then nothing will. Right. Because that mm-hmm. dog was my fucking life. Mm-hmm. And he had just like revived me. So how can I waste all this time that we took together to like get to this place and like for me to just throw it away? Yeah, he was like a little angel for you. 100%. So what's your biggest like lesson learned or takeaway through this and coming out the other side I'm stronger than I thought I was and braver than I thought I was because when I wasn't brave I just faked it because it's one of those things where you have to choose your heart yeah um oh that's something charity said oh did she choose your heart that stuck with me then yeah um you can struggle in the misery of using and be a slave to whatever you're addicted to or you can try just a little Mm -hmm. every day to love yourself because love is a choice. Yeah. So you like choose to love yourself. Choose you. Every day. Mm -hmm. And even if it's in like small ways and don't like don't poo poo that it's a small, a small way of Mm -hmm. loving yourself. Seriously. Don't ever say poo poo again. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to choose to love yourself and like believe in you and it's not easy and it won't happen overnight. But so many people say to me, like I told you before, like I can't imagine you using, I can't imagine you like that. And honestly, I don't know who that girl is anymore. Mm -hmm. And all I know is that she's tough as hell and that she made me proud because somewhere deep in there she knew she deserved better and even when she didn't believe it she walked it anyway yeah you know and right now in this moment I feel like it's the best it's ever been I gotta say that I'm super glad that the universe brought us together me too I feel like uh, not to get emo, this is your job, not mine, <laughs> but it's just like, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. Like I texted you the other morning when I paid off my Amex and I was like, I feel like you're the only person I can tell this to. You know what I mean? Like there are just like certain things that, are you going to start crying? No. <laughs> Cause I might. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I just appreciate you. I appreciate everything you've been through. I appreciate everything that you bring to the table. You make me stronger. Oh my God. Your strength makes me stronger. I'm being so serious. We're both crying. (laughs) You guys, we were trying not to go here, but we're here. So we're going to embrace it. The point is, is that if you're struggling with something, anything, there are people in your life that need you. There are people that you haven't even met yet. That's right. That need you. And so if you can't do it for you, do it for those people. That's right. And talk about it. And I think both of us, you know, I'll, I'll link some um, different resources in the show notes. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, but again, like it's so specific as to like what you're kind of battling, you know, like there's obviously Alcoholics Anonymous, there's Gamblers Anonymous, there's narc 
Narcotics Anonymous. Yep, NA, yeah. Um, Sex for Anonymous. shopping, Food. there is, um, they used to call it Shopaholics Anonymous, but now it's called like uh, something about debt. Mm-hmm. Something about debt anonymous. I don't know. There's a bunch of different free groups and you can find them in your area and you can just go to the 12 step program. Right. But overall, like therapy for both of us has been a total, total game changer. And it's not just in the addiction space. It's in like just the space of like having a, you know, unbiased opinion on, um, you know, anything that you're going through. So speak up, seek help. That's right. Just, just do it. Don't even think about it. Just fucking do it. Yeah. Go to, like Abby said, go to therapy, go to meetings. If you can't afford therapy, go to meetings. If you can fucking afford therapy, stay away from people who enable you lose those numbers. Well, Also there are, um, there are therapists that even if like you don't have insurance, will work with you on like payment plans and things like that. There's mm-hmm. also resources specifically for um, addicts that will help f- help fund those types of things for you. So right. there's definitely like, if you can't do it yourself, if you're not in a mind space to like get on Google and start researching it, like fucking DM us, like we will help you. Yep. Um, Just surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people that support you, that understand you. Um, you know, understand that people are going to probably space away from you if you're going to continue the destructive behavior and it's up to you. Like you, you need to want to get better. Um, but so many people are dying from this opiate crisis and we don't have to do that. Um, I don't know. Also, I know I'm like so anti-Western medicine, but like just ask questions. If someone's prescribing you something, ask why. Yeah. That's like, it's so, why it's so easy to get hooked. It happens so fast. So fast. I mean, I don't know if you even know this, but Jesse went through, Jesse broke his hand 150 years ago by being drunk and stupid and punching a car. Who the fuck does that? But he was prescribed painkillers and he got addicted. I didn't know that. I mean, his wasn't, his didn't go as far as yours did, but like, it's still like, it's just like everyone, like it's so common. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so that's what we want to leave you with is that you're not alone. And we love you. If Even if you feel like you have no one else, you have us. We yep. are very reachable. Very reachable. We're Wanna Buy Podcast on Instagram. That's right. Lisa is Isabel Louise underscore. She's really good at the DMing. I'm the Balanced Rebel. Um, you can also find us on WannaVibe.com, WannaVibe on Facebook, WannaVibe Tribe, mm-hmm. private Facebook group. If a couple people just want to get together to help support each other, you can request to join that group. Um and we love you guys so much. Yeah, rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean. Is that it? Who the fuck knows anymore? I don't know. I it's love all you. in the show notes anyway. High, High five. five. Best friend. Best friend. Me and you.